Surprisingly insightful, delightfully humorous. Let's talk about that. <laughs> Are you branding us? <laughs> I'm, r- I'm writing, writing a copy. Yeah, oh, right good. Yeah. It's like a subtitle. Yeah. But not like subtitles like you'd see in a foreign film. Yeah, right, like a subtitle of a book. Do you watch uh, anything with subtitles? Yeah. I, you know what's funny? I watch everything with subtitles now. Because you can't hear? It, it just helps me to comprehend shows quicker wow like uh it's not about hearing but like there's some like bang bang dialogue and everything yeah like uh like think about shows with like irish american characters in it where they're using this very thick brogue oh yeah i'll turn it on for that oh or just anything really i go back and watch shows now i'm like just leave them on so Yeah. yeah we're old people now yeah. But it does help me with comprehension. The one thing I don't like is sometimes the, the text gets way ahead of the character. Right. So you find yourself reading before they, they deliver the line. So you're and like, you're oh. like, oh. yeah, and then they deliver. You're like, well, I guess he delivered it well. Especially like you're, you're reading uh, the screenplay. That's what you're really you're doing. You're reading ahead. Yeah. 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 You're reading ahead to find out. You're so, like, you know, she really could have delivered that line a lot better. Yeah. Like you're In my of- head, I <laughs> saw him being way more angry. But uh, whatever. However yeah. he wants to. I guess you can call it a performance. No, it's weird, but there's shows where it just, I feel like it helps, but who knows. But I I watch, you know, foreign films are more, way more, I remember when you first would see like a foreign film, even like when the black bars, remember when the people would have black bars in the films, top and bottom? Yeah. Because it would be what was called CinemaScope back then. Yeah. And basically they pan back. So you're getting more images on the side because they're panning back. But because of that, there was black bars on the top and bottom. Yeah. I people used to be furious about that. They didn't understand that they're getting more. Just they're the getting more side. right. See what they wanted, Johnny, uh-huh. is they wanted it within the scope and paradigm of what they knew. And they weren't open to the idea that there may be more to see in yes. the part that you're not looking. If you just take a step back, mm. sure, you might lose the top and bottom. Yeah, I don't know where that metaphorically plays in. I actually think of subtitles. There's one show I mentioned it last episode mm-hmm. that I feel like that the subtitles are an insult. Yeah. So the Curse of Oak Island, they have this blacksmith historian guy. He's a, he's a real blacksmith, but he's also like he knows everything back. He can tell you, oh, this is from the 12th century. Like yeah. he knows I can tell because of this or what it's made of. And they go out to see the guy. He's up in this town like an hour away from Oak Island in Nova, Oak Island in Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. And they go up to see him. And they subtitle all the things he says, but I can understand him just fine. Oh, right. So you feel like, wow. I feel like, why are you guys acting like we can't understand this guy? So, the, I mean, t- they don't subtitle the people are talking to him who just drove up there to ask him. <laughs> yeah, it's kind just of... Just his responses. And I'm like, if I was him, I'd be pretty upset. I mean, he's got a little bit of an accent, but it's not like it's, it's, it's not Yeah, I think you've seen English. that. Yeah, I bet you would see that more in like a deep Southern character. You'd be like, all right, this is what they mean. But it's the only guy on the whole show that they subtitle. Oh. Like, For me, it's like if somebody's a fast talker. Which I feel like I'm kind of a fast talker, but yeah, who knows? I bet people, there are people like, no, you're slow as molasses, you're a true Southern whatever, but. I think you're I, just the right pace, Johnny. I feel like I get, I feel like I speed up on stage if I'm a little nervous. Yeah, we that's, all do that. That's the, that's the one side effect of that. It's like, oh, I can tell I'm nervous because I got through, you know, 45 minutes of material in 30 minutes or whatever. Uh, the only word I've ever noticed or term I've ever noticed on was physician's assistant. Physician. <laughs> Physician's assistant. Since he is a physician's assistant. Listen, I have... Oak you, Island, Nova Scotia. I, know, I can't say Oak Island, Nova Scotia. Uh, yeah. And I can't say colloquialism. So and you uh, have physician's assistant. We just said all those things. I know. Well, I did it on purpose. It's We're a, cured. I'm disciplined myself. You did it, John. <laughs> so, this is March Madness, John. It begins tomorrow for us. So... We're recording this, but by the time this airs, Our hopes Tennessee will already, be dashed. will already be on to the second weekend. They're going, baby. Or they will have not met expectations. Tennessee is going to go. Now, listen, I will say this. They have a very difficult path for a five oh seed. Oh, my gosh. Here we go. Don't you think it's a difficult path for a five seed? Oklahoma I, State's a great team, and we meet them in the second round. You think we will if we beat Oregon State? Well, that's true. These are not like like someone else who's a five seed playing like Colgate and like we're playing Wait Oregon a minute. Colgate's State. Colgate's good this year though. Okay, they beat Crest, they beat Aim, they beat Aquafresh. <laughs> Come on, I, I bet they never heard that one. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> Four out of five dentists recommend Colgate University. Yeah, yeah. it's. Uh, I wonder if they have a dental program. That would be. That would be this great. Is, there's a kickback there. If you, 
something something is your diploma on the wall from Colgate. That'd be too on the nose. It's improprietous to do what they're doing. So, hmm. um, no, I just I, I think it's going to be a tough game. We don't have John Fulkerson most likely. I haven't heard he had face surgery. Well, yeah, they broke some bones in his face. Ugh. And he they. Had, well, the two elbows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the man got elbowed the unnamed, twice. The unnamed suspect. <laughs> yeah, it was brutal. It was. His eye looked awful. He looked like Rocky Balboa. He did. It, it was, was a very cut, end of the it was movie. A cut me mix situation. Yeah. Uh, he went down to. I think he hit his head. My father in law was talking about that. Oh, I, when he collapsed the floor. I think he lost consciousness. I think the second elbow knocked him out, and he went. So the third hit was his face straight into the deck. Sheesh. Yeah. And that guy, I don't know, he apologized. He know? did, and Fulkerson had a very gracious tweet where he said he accepted the apology. And but that was dangerous. Like, what happened there was very yeah, dangerous. Yeah, there's no place. There's no place in the game for that, John. Oh, my goodness. They always, you got to hope this young man grows from this. That's what you... <laughs> I theorize that the, that the guy who elbowed him did not know his head was down there because he elbowed low. And see, the first elbow was to the throat. And the right. play was over. Which is where you want the... Right. That's a normal... <laughs> and so then he turned around to run away and threw that second elbow behind him, but he may not have known that the throat shot had caused Fulkerson to, hunch over. to hunch over. And mm. now the, he might just thought he was elbowing him in the ribs or the arm, because they all are down there, you know, duking it out Yeah, in in whatever ways the refs won't call. So I'd like to, I'd like to sleep You're giving a lot night. of benefit of the doubt. I meant to stab you in the chest... <laughs> And then your eye got in the way. I stabbed you right in the eye. That's my bad. But I didn't mean to. That's on me. No, I absolutely was furious. I've been texting my buddy Matt, you know, who's a Florida fan. I was just like, hey, are we going to talk about this? Number one, that Tennessee beat Florida two times in a row by double digits, mm. once without Fulgerson, and then the second time with your star player. Uh, are we also going to talk about the fact that your guy knocked our guy out and caused us to basically lose an SEC tournament? Because you know Fulgerson would have been in there. We lost by Johnny. We haven't talked about this. And, guys, I'm sorry. We're going to be done with sports in a second. Oh, boy. But Tennessee was one game away from the SEC championship. They were playing the best team in the league, which is Alabama. And we were down by one point with 25 seconds to go. Right. And we had a guy named Devontae Gaines at the line with two free throws. Well, he'd been on the bench the whole game, right? He had been on the bench the entire game. They put him in to try to stop the player of the year who was scoring at will on us, and our other guys were in foul trouble. And he did his job. He stopped the guy from scoring, and then the guy fouled him when he Mm -hmm. got the rebound. And now Devontae Gaines had not shot a free throw since February the 15th. And this was like like a month he'd not shot a free throw. Not even in practice. No, not at all. No, he's never shot one. Not even in his driveway. (laughs) (laughs) Put him at the line, and I thought, surely. No, you didn't. It's not one for one. I thought he hit one of them. These are kids. Look, everybody can shoot 50%. It's the easiest thing in sports to do, but I love that kid, and he did I bet a great If job. I gave you two free throws with the game on the line, you would pee your pants and go <laughs> run to your mom. So don't even act like it's the easiest thing in sports. Well, the- <laughs> <laughs> You're so dumb. It is the easiest thing for these are semi-pro athletes, Johnny. Semi-pro. Semi-pro means you're getting paid a little bit. Well, they're getting a scholarship. Oh boy. Yeah. Listen, they're amateur athletes. The truth Johnny. is, and I'm just teasing. Unless you believe. <laughs> <laughs> the football players now. We well, haven't even. T- we've never. T- we've never addressed the football allegations. I'll hold Jim, That's all up. they are. Allegations. Uh, bags look, of cash. Maybe bags when they're McDonald's. handing McDonald's bags, they just have. That's true. Maybe that. Inside. Maybe that particular McDonald's accidentally right put money from the till. They're like, hey, I'll get two breakfast burritos, and instead they put two thousand dollars in it. Maybe breakfast burritos is like street slang for something that we don't yeah. even know. We don't know. I don't watch. Maybe all of us could be getting cash bags. Hey, uh, you got those burritos? <laughs> got those breakfast burritos? And it's just that's what I'm ordering later. I'll tell you that you right want now. Some hot sauce with that? Uh. <laughs> you don't even know what that is. I don't know what that would that's be. Bitcoin. Again, I'm not good at colloquialisms. Yeah. Uh-huh. I said it twice. Uh, that's Bitcoin. That's funny. All of a side of Bitcoin. I have hot sauce. Um, no, listen. I want to say I love Devontae Gaines. He did his job. They put him in there to do. It was unfortunate. Coach, he did. Ha- he did half his job. Coach support. No, no he one expected s- him to score. He was just in there to stop that player. He did, and then yeah. there was just like we should have got the ball back and came down with twenty five seconds and had a shot yeah. from one of the guys. Who, you know, that guy did his role, and it just yeah, it's but it's not like that. That would have made that would have made us like a four seed instead of a five seed. It wouldn't have been that big. It of a wasn't job. about the seeding for me. I wanted to win the SEC tournament. We haven't won it since seventy nine. Yeah. We've won the regular season multiple times, but not the tournament. And Kentucky was already out. This was our year to do that. But 
this all goes back to the fact that it's Florida's fault for knocking out our star post player. Oh, right. You think Fulkerson's in there, then we win. Yeah, because Fulkerson averages 8 to 12 points a game, and the guy that replaced him had 4, and we were down by 1. Johnny, you do the math. I don't... Carry I, don't want, the, I don't want to. We ended up losing by five because of free throws at the end, but you know free throws it, that they made. Correct. Devontae yeah. did come out and he was like, dude, I let the team down. I'll do oh, better. I was no. like, man, don't Devontae, you did, don't Devontae, beat, you did fine. Don't beat yourself up. You did the best you could. When I said it's the easiest thing in sports, I wasn't talking about you in particular. You know what I'm saying? Or that situation. <laughs> so, no, I do love those kids, man. And I did feel bad for him and um it just yeah, was frustrating. He had his head down. They I would have loved to... for him to be the, the the champion. I love for him to run out there like, yeah, he did, and he came in. And he did come in and do well. It's just just the way the ball As falls. As someone who was a bench warmer most of my athletic career, I feel for the guy. Oh, you yeah. get pulled off. If you get put in the game. Oh yeah. I got put in the game a lot if we were like up thirty or down thirty. Yeah. So that was not this is a different situation. He got put in like crunch time. Isn't there a stat for that, like the over under? Like you're the over under thirty guy. Yeah, it was bad. So, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't uh, depended on a lot. Do you remember the make. championship that you and I won? I do. Wow, that was church league. Church league. We <sighs> did. We took. We took it. People still talk about it. Oh my goodness! No one. I think our wives were there that day. Were they? I think mine was. You're maybe right. Yeah, she never talks about I it. I hit the game winner, didn't I? I thought I hit the game. No, I think I hit like a layup at the at the end. This is really important to you, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't remember. I remember. I remember um, being surprised because we never win anything. No, <laughs> Not, our teams don't. win And anything. I think we didn't have some players that day. Yeah. Uh, that we, we thought. Oh, we'll go out here. We'll see. Yeah, we were both just like lighting it up. Oh man, Johnny, John, those are the right. days, man. It felt right. I think we could do it again. I don't. I think that, dude, you're in shape. Yeah. I'm not. I'm so far. No, you're not. You're in no, shape. You run. No, no, I don't. Did I tell about falling on the ice? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you hurt your back. Yeah, if you didn't know, listen. fell into a planter. Yeah, I slipped on the ice on the deck, taking the dog out, not realizing that the layer of snow had melted down to the layer of ice. And I had, it looked like somebody took, it looked like Fulkerson's eye on my back in my rear area. Like just black and blue. And so for like two weeks, I couldn't run. So I've gone ahead and taken another two weeks and just started eating anything that I can. Part of this is just the schedule. Like February, February and March have kicked the crap out of the drivers, like just schedule-wise. I had a seven-hour editing call yesterday. Johnny, wow. seven hours. And we're not done. i got to jump back on today, this afternoon. So. Sheesh. Um, and that's just one of the books I'm working on. And then, that's... of course, the church meetings and all the other stuff. So it's uh, – yeah. everyone has a job, though. I get it. I'm sorry. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it was a little more time-consuming. My wife is, is onboarding like eight new employees for a company – which is like crazy. So we both like we see each other in the morning at night. We just kind of and we're working in the same house. That's what's crazy. So, John, <sighs> yeah, I'm in I'm in good shape uh, for me, but it's you know everybody's got their own different stuff as far as like you know for you you want to be able to run three miles, right? Four, three, three, four. To, three, to, five, four. three, three to, to five. Three to five. Yeah, I, I want to be able to go run five when I have time. But if running three, three to four, four to five times a week, that's the that's the goal for me. And then I'm doing 120 push-ups a day or so. That, okay. That's the goal. I'm not doing that right now. I'm about a month off, and so I I, I need help. Could you just go straight back to 120 push-ups from not doing any, though? Yeah, I could do that. Because there's sets. I mean, I would do... You know, you oh, you just, do sets. I'm not doing it all at once, yeah. Oh, I don't know. I'm doing, I'm doing 100 right now. Yeah, I'll do. I'll do three sets of thirty or or three sets of. I mean, so I'll get ninety to hundred. With how much of a break in between? Just you one go in get the morning, a sandwich. Go get some breakfast. No, burritos. just one in the morning, one in the afternoon, one at night, kind of thing. I just do it in my day. Oh, you yeah, space in it the out day. In I'm day. spacing it out. I'm not. I'm not going for bulk or something. I'm just trying to look. It, it actually helps me. I do that for two, three months. I'm yeah. like, okay, you know. I oh, I see that. Yeah. So, and it's really all about the food, though. It's all about oh, 100%. eat low carb and my body. Here's what's funny. My body reshapes more from the eating than it does from the exercise. Like I can immediately. Well, like, yeah, if you've got muscle under there, you got to get rid of the. But it's not that I even have that much muscle. It's just that like I have, I have what doctors call a spare tire. So like I have, that's the way my body's made. Like, like if you threw me in water, like oh, if okay. our ship went down, right. hold on to me. I'll be floating. 
And mm. so that's the part where things. So, but that starts. To, that sounds like a country song. Guys, come on! If our ship goes down, hold, hold on, on to me. me. Oh, that's beautiful. It's a. It's a. <laughs> I don't, but when he sings about the spare tire, it's going to be a weird verse. Yeah. I'm not lying. But um, but that's the deal. That, but I, look, I noticed low carb. That's the first thing. I, that's the only thing in my life that's ever made that go down. Huh. The spare tire is low carb. So, yeah. Yeah, it's hard. Uh, well, we talked last week about how, like, we're we're so open and we almost, like, forget that the that we're even recording by this at this point. And so we say things and we'll be like, should we have talked about all that? And, like, the only thing that I've really gone uh, all this time that I've not really talked a lot about is that uh, I've lost a bunch of weight over the last year and a half, almost two years now. And um, so I've talked some about – we've talked about it as it happened. But uh, I I wanted – I had a lot of reasons for not wanting to talk about the the cause and effect or the the circumstances around it and we can talk about it. we can unpack some of that john you're mm. a therapist today mm. i'm here is that okay it's a very safe place so uh you know my family history but i have a terrible family history of like early death diabetes obesity like heart gene- disease yeah. yeah genetics are a huge factor there's they're learning more and more about that as far as like in medicine today we're like there's a lot less – I mean, personal choice is huge, but there's a lot less blame being handed out as far as that whole thing of like, hey, people are a lot of different shapes and sizes. And, yes, you have some control. Like cholesterol with you, you had high cholesterol in your 20s and 30s, and you're like – you tried it as hard as you could with your diet yep. to get it under control, and it didn't work. And you were you were so frustrated because you're – you know, that's that's your thing. It's like, I'll take control of this. I'll handle it. And I feel like I was that way for a long time, and I've done every dumb diet and every dumb thing. My brother died. My older brother died when he was 30, uh, and he was probably around 500 pounds when he passed. Uh, and you remember Todd. Yeah, and Todd. Um, And my mom, same thing. She was a heavy person. She had multiple issues in large heart. Uh, she had diabetes. Uh, she had heart disease. She had several heart attacks about five years before she died. She lived another five years, but it was very, like... She was downhill from yeah. there. She had, you know, she could have to take tons of breaks. She had to take a lot of time off work after that. So it was like this marker in her life of like before and after the heart attacks were a, a distinctly different life that she led. And so all that's running in the background of my life. And when I got into my 40s, I just was like, I got to get this under control. And I've tried every diet and it just felt like I could lose the same 20 or 30, 40 pounds and felt like I'd done it 10 times. Yeah. So I, in my little, like if you go to my, my old Facebook memories, even before that, you'd see like, I've got heavy pictures. I've got light pictures. I've got less fat, more fat. And so, uh, uh, Curry, she won't mind me saying this cause hers is pretty public. Curry had uh, weight loss surgery about three and a half years ago. I'm trying to think when it was 20, I can't remember when it was, but I think it was like three and a half years ago. And she had a procedure called gastric sleeve or mm-hmm. vertical sleeve, vertical sleeve, vertical sleeve gastrectomy. Yeah. And it's basically where they take, they used to call it stomach stapling, where they make your stomach smaller. Mm-hmm. And now they just call it vertical sleeve gastrectomy because they remove, they don't just staple the stomach off. They remove part of your stomach that they've stapled off and they make a new smaller stomach pouch so you're able to eat less food before feeling full and it kind of buys you this window the stomach does stretch out a little bit after uh after a couple of years but it buys you that window of time to kind of get your eating under control with this new restriction yeah and um it's just something that i was like "Hmm." and i watched her progress and curry lost uh about 110 pounds over the next year and a half. Yeah. And she's kept it off and uh, she's doing great. And watching her go through that, and I went on a flight. I remember my rock bottom was I went on a flight. It was uh, April of 2019. Uh, I went on a flight to Montana. Two different flights. One of those, like, you take the flight, then you take the puddle jumper. Yeah. 
And I got on the puddle jumper, and I was in, like, you know, I have the one row that's one seat and the mm-hmm. other row that's two seats, and I was in the one seat. And I was so jammed in this little one seat, you know. I already feel it with my knees because I'm 6'4", but everything else was just, like, just crammed into this chair. And it was, like, the closest I've ever had to reaching for the seatbelt extender, like, going to ask the person because it was, like, click it in, but I was at the very end of my rope, literally, mm. with this seatbelt. It was just like, huh. And I think when I got to the hotel that night, I just started researching, like, what are the options? What is the, you know, what what are my options here? And like I said, I kind of had Curry as a guide because she'd been through the process. And so I knew what to expect. I knew it was not going to be easy. Right, you've been there with her. Yeah, Yeah, but it was a very hard process to go through. It wasn't like, oh, cool. Like people that act like, oh, it's just the easy way out. It is definitely not that Mm -hmm. it's a huge like it's almost like a death because you're a lot of what you do especially if you're a heavy couple like we were you just go out and that's your whole life it's like food you know you if you feel happy if you feel sad if you feel stressed food it's all food so when you just have less options in that way it's just a it's something you have to kind of reckon with so anyway, I decided then that I would make the call, and I scheduled my surgery. I had my surgery in June of 2019, and um, uh, I remember you came and saw me. You were one of the only people who I told about it mm-hmm. at the time because I was like, I'm decided to do this. At that point, I was 316 pounds. So I won't give a ton of raw numbers, but that's one. That, yeah. The reason I do that is because people, when I say that I've had weight loss surgery, they try to be do the nice thing of saying, I didn't even think you were that big. Right. And the truth is, I was headed for like a huge cliff. Mm-hmm. And so when you say that, it sounds like you're being nice to someone. You're not big. You don't need this. You're First of all, you're kind of, you think you're being nice, but it's almost like you're saying, you don't know what you're doing. Don't ruin your life with this or whatever. It's like this... Um, it's a weird, strange back. Almost being thing. complicit in the in the he- unhealthy pattern. A yeah, little bit by trying to I, be nice. You're I knew in, that I was out of control, and right. I needed this, yeah. and that it would be. I want to say it would be a solution, but I knew that it was a, a step in the right direction. It was my path. Yeah, I knew that it was the, and it's not the path for everybody, and that's one of the reasons I've not talked about it a lot. Mm-hmm. It's because I don't. I did not want to be, and I've yet to talk about it at all on stage. That's really way down the road for me. If I ever, if if I ever do. And the reason is I don't want necessarily to be the poster child for a surgery, you right. know, because even when I told a few people, because uh, I've not hit it or anything, if somebody asks at this point, because I've lost, you know, almost 100 pounds. Yeah. So if somebody asks, I'll just go, well, this is what I did. If it's somebody that I know I can like trust. But even the people who I know who are like really nice and they know me and they love me, a few of them have been like, my aunt had that. And she gained it all back. Like, they can't stop themselves from, like, being that person uh, who, like, gives their anecdotal story. Um, And that's okay. But that was kind of my fear is that I'll be this thing and I'll be kind of, like, reduced to a procedure. Yeah. And so – and my main fear was not even just that. My main fear was that I would have it and I would not be successful with it. Or that I would get down the road and I would just like gain it back, which does happen. You can gain the weight back. Sure. It, it does happen. And it still could happen. But it's this thing of I got to a point where I was like, you know what? It's time to talk about it uh, uh, because it feels like a part of my life that I'm not sharing with other people. And I do feel like there are people who are maybe listen to us who are kind of in that journey and they – they need an ally or they need somebody who that could encourage them. Yeah. So I don't want to not say that out of my own like ego. Well, I don't want people to think that I, cause you, people do, people are going to have their own assumptions that they take away. I mean, I've been through that with a million things, a million of my life choices. My wife and I, we don't have children and there are people who take that and they make their own assumptions and it, they address you through that lens right. forevermore. And so the same thing will happen with this. And I just have to be okay with that and be like, this is who I am. This is what I did, but it's not the path for everybody. It was a tough path. The main thing that was really hard was I had to go without food, like real food, uh, for about six weeks. So that was like really hard two weeks before and about four weeks after 
you have to like be very careful about what you put in your stomach. And so it was basically like a liquid diet. Yeah. And uh, that was really like tough. And it's tough if you're trying to keep it a secret, which I was at the time, because people want to meet. Because everything I did was lunches with people. Come on out. And I was yeah. like, I'm not really. Mm-hmm. I can't right now, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I had told a few people, trusted people. And so a lot of people were really supportive. And that was great. And obviously, I had my wife who had been through it. And so that was huge. And I knew that that would be huge. And it was. It was a huge like moment. Uh, and we became a lot closer because of that, because now she knows I understand what she went through. And, she, mm-hmm. you know, she knows exactly what I'm going to be experiencing. So all that said, I just I've never really talked about it before. And I wanted to share that. And uh, I don't know. You, I mean, we've talked we've only talked about it, you know, peripherally. You know, you may have your own questions, John. <laughs> well, we've talked quite a bit about yeah. it. I mean, you know, it's a I just didn't want to, like, hold that part back because yeah. I'm like it felt like. But at some point I thought, is this something I'm like ashamed of? No, it's not. Well, then why don't I? Yeah. I just, I guess I'm afraid of becoming uh, like a diagnosis. Sure. Plus it's like when you get to a point where you're so heavy that you need medical intervention, it feels like a failure. Oh, yeah. It's almost like somebody going to marriage counseling, so they just don't. And then they just live in their bad yeah. marriage where they can't communicate properly. You could have had this person intervene and maybe got it gotten better. And I knew that I was at that point where it was like, I need help. There's genetics. There's my own choices. There's just things that are, it just kept going up and up. My high, my max weight where I would kind of settle at kept going up, up, up. And I was like, this is where it's headed. I'm headed for what happened to Todd. Yeah. My brother. I knew that I was headed that way. And so. But for a drastic decision on my part, I really do believe that it would have, especially during the pandemic. I look back at this year of the pandemic. There's no way. Yeah, we talked about that. There's just it was 100 percent the right move because coming out of that, everything instead of just feeding everything, uh, you know, just throwing food in my mouth every five seconds. And because I did definitely go went through a period of self-pity like we all did during the pandemic. Why is this happening? And it's disrupting my life and this is unfair and all of that. All of that would have been this knee-jerk reaction to just like eat more, eat more. And uh, instead, I really got in like really good shape. I tried to start running. And again, even if you want to start running as a heavy person, it's really hard on your body. Yeah. So now that I was a little bit lighter, I was able to actually make better choices towards fitness and get in better shape. And so, yeah, now I'm on a better path, but it's not like it's over. It's every day still, you know, like I said, you know. Yeah, it's not a fix. And, and again, I think I, I've tried to be, I mean, number one, you're my friend and I was super proud of you because I understand this is not an easy, this is not a fix the decision. It's not a failure. Like you took a path that was very drastic. Yeah to to bring things under control and so yeah and i never wanted you to i mean you you know it's not like you're it doesn't matter to me except that you're healthy you know and whatever path you chose to do that i'm gonna be supportive on well i do have friends who will be like i just did never i never thought of you i always thought of you as a big guy but i never thought of you as something because they they imagine like the my 600 pound life person on tlc the king that has to be cut out of their house or whatever right they're picturing that person as someone who needs this, whereas there's a lot of people who are like, they have hypertension, they have, they're headed for, like I was borderline diabetic. Every time I would go, they go, your blood sugar's like around the line, your cholesterol's right on the line, like you need to clean this up, you know, you need to lose some weight. And then when it got to be the point where I knew I was over 100, I was 100 pounds overweight, it was like getting 100 pounds off, like the the guy who did my consult, he said less than 3% of people who are at your level of overweight, lose the weight and keep it off without some kind of medical intervention, like less than 3%. There are people who can do it. There's always the outliers who, you know, they have their Instagram channel and they show you the workout videos and they show you what they ate and they show you what they did. But from my situation and my genetics, this felt like a huge rescue. It did not feel like a cop out. It felt like this is a way out and, it's worth a shot. I've tried it. I felt like I'd tried everything else. And so, yeah, that was what it was for me. But yeah, well, I was going to say, but people trying to be nice, they'll say, well, yeah, I don't think you're that big. And then I show them old photos and they're like, oh, wow. And they, their own mind 
Yeah. They remember, yeah, you know what? I did not, I can't, they're shocked by my before. I'm like, we were doing shows. Like I have comedian friends. I was like, we were, we were on a show together this night. Mm-hmm. So it's just like their own, in their own mind, they would relax their view. They're like, well, this is Johnny's size. Which is great. I mean, because, you know, I mean. I mean, it's great if people don't, aren't judging yeah. you for being a big, like, I get it. And there's more to life than how you, it's not even about just how I looked. It's how I felt. It's how I felt about myself. It's my confidence on stage was starting to suffer. Yeah. I was sweating all over the place. Like, I don't sweat on stage anymore. Like, I just don't. And, I mean, it was just everything, you know, like, I felt like there was a mental battle. Uh, every every day I would wake up and I just felt like there was just this extra burden that uh, my weight put on me other than just the obvious burden. But it just felt like I need to defeat this thing. Or at least like strike a blow against it, you know. Yeah. Well, there was a mortality issue, and again, having known Todd and having known your mom, and and that, and and being worried, regardless of, hey, man, I have, I have people in my family who are, you know, we we have um, weight issues in my family. Some of them live to be ninety. Yeah. And they're one hundred and fifty pounds overweight or whatever. Um, and that's awesome. Like genetics are, is a real, are, are a real thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, everybody's got the aunt, the aunt yeah. Nelda who ate bacon and drank Dr. Pepper every day. And she, yeah. Yeah. And she lived to be a hundred and you're just like, okay. Yeah. But like, that's not the rule. That's the exception that proves right. the rule. That's the thing. That's the outliers. Everybody's got outliers in their life. And I just knew that, like, if you look at my family history, like we're not very hardy people, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And well, so, I mean, you know, and it's a, it's a, um, food, you know, I joke, that's probably my way around it. So you and I have very similar patterns with food. Yeah. I'm a shorter guy. Yeah. And I, well, I used to always say that to you, even when I was he- at my heaviest, I'd be like, you're a skinny fat person. Like yeah. you have just as many issues with food as I do, Yep. but your genetics, we can eat the same, like we would go to places and eat the same amount of food. We would go to the Chinese buffet and we'd each have two plates of food. I would I would gain two pounds. You might gain half a pound. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I mean, it's I don't, that you know. Sometimes it's just that thing. I know? get. I mean, again, I got. I, I gained quite a bit over. To your point about COVID, I mean, I gained quite yeah. a bit over the fall, and then I lost some in the winter, and then these two months hit. And I know. Here's the thing. My, doing what I'm doing now, though, is is the um, the pattern that's not normal for me, right? It so, is pretty drastic. That's I, the thing is like I'm expecting the other pattern of health and yeah. fitness. Like, okay, that's what I'm I'm used to keto and I'm used to running. Mm-hmm. And so this feels wrong. Now, a lot of my life doing what I'm doing now felt normal and going to eat keto or exercising every day would have felt nor- weird. So I think a lot of it, the mental and I think if you, yeah, you flip to, that switch, you get to that idea. It's even it's food and idol for me. If you go to the spiritual side, is it is like certainly it's a thing I reward myself with, or it's a thing I uh, try to remove stress with when I'm especially in unhealthy places. I also think there's even a biblical take on feasting and other things. There there is a moment where we celebrate at a wedding or we celebrate at um, you know holidays, holy days, those yeah, yeah. kinds of things. Where I think food and, and even having an excess of food. At, for the purpose of enjoying the experience, you know, um, even when, if you remember Elijah, you know, when Elijah wanted to die and he had, he had ran out of the desert and uh, was right from Mount Carmel. And uh, <laughs> which, I think, yeah, <laughs> it's all, it all comes back to food, doesn't it? Doesn't it, though? And uh, and so he sits down and it's funny when the angel comes, he says, hey, this journey's too great for you. And what he did is he gave him water and he cooked bread for him and then he put him back to sleep. He gave him food and he gave him sleep and he woke him up and he fed him again and put him back to sleep. And that angel of the Lord is probably a Christophany, by the way. They used to say in the Old Testament, you say angel of the Lord. It very well was a physical manifestation of right. Jesus. Like a pre-incarnate, a pre-incarnate yeah. Christ. Yeah. And so because often they worship or they spoke to that angel as the, so the angel of the Lord is often God himself in yeah. Jesus' form. And so, um, so Jesus brought him breakfast burritos. Is that what you're saying? I was saying he brought him a little breakfast burrito. Here's a bag, uh, extra hot sauce. Uh, but the point is like this, I don't want to demonize food either. You know, right. I no, don't want to. No, you need, that's the thing. It's, that's the hardest part about food when you have issues with food, which most Americans do, but when you have like a, a controlling issue with food, yeah. is that if I have a heroin addiction, 
I just stay away from heroin, and I, I just I erase my dealer's number off my phone. And I'm not trying to downplay heroin addiction, but I'm saying like I can stay away from heroin. Right, it's not necessary for life. Right. <laughs> if I I can't stop eating food, right. I just have to now tell myself, well, this two pieces of pizza is enough pizza. Right. I'm not going to eat an entire Little Caesars pizza. But know? I can. By the but way, you can. And I can right now. You could yeah. right, yeah. And so yeah. it's like that. That's the hard part, uh, and that's what makes it. I mean, I remember when uh, reading us an article about Aerosmith when they got clean in the '90s. Because they were on every drug. They were mm-hmm. the true drug band. And um, he said the hardest thing to quit by far was smoking. And he said because it's everywhere. It was in every movie. And he goes, you still see John Wayne holding the cigarette, and he looks so cool. Yeah. And uh, and plus it's just that, that fixation of something to do with your hands. Yeah. So they quit heroin. They kicked everything, kicked cocaine. But it took him another, like, five years to stop smoking. Wow. And so it's like... There's just things that have a hold on you, and I think food is that that thing. Like you say, it's um, it's a celebration. It's it's yeah. whatever. Yeah, I don't I don't want to. I don't want to hate it. Yeah, you know it's so funny. There's a and I don't. I I've gotten to the point like you you do have that death where you're like, well, gosh, I can only have a few bites of this thing, and now I'm full, and it's kind of like whatever. Now I can have like a more like normal portion, but I don't. I try not to overeat. But it's like this thing of like, uh, yeah, I I enjoy going out again. But it, there was a time where it, it was an interesting six months, seven months after where it was like, not what have I done, but I knew that, th- that this was a drastic change. Well, you had burned the ships a little bit. Like, yeah, you know, you yeah, getting, you, yeah. Yeah, you burned the bridge behind you. Yeah. And I did all that <laughs> stuff, too, where you give away all the fat clothes and all the things. Well, in so your case, like, you burned the chips. I burned the, <laughs> burned the chips. <laughs> all right. <laughs> No, I mean, it's a very, it's a, there's a finality to it. And it's so funny because I'm in the cycles right now. Yeah. The stress, um, the stress causes me to go and Laura and I both, and she loves working out and, and we, we want to like, we will go, I'm, I'm kind of getting sick of this now. Like I, I really wish we were eating keto. I'd feel better, you know, but you're also stressed and, and I don't know why I think eating bad is going to help stress. It doesn't. But, right, then you it, feel bad on top of that, and then you have the, yeah. I'm trying to have less shame over things like that. I do believe that shame, to your point about what brought you here in the first place and the confidence, you and I, you did talk about that a lot before you did it. Um, the shame never brings positive change. Right. No, you're right never. about that. Yeah, it, and I did not make, that's why I did not make the decision to do what I did out of that right. emotion. I made sure that it was like, because you're never going to hate yourself enough to get healthy. You have to love yourself enough to get healthy. So right. I got to the point where I was like, I deserve better. I can have better. Better is on the other side of this 100 pounds. Well, and you wanted better for curry because you didn't want right. to die at 50. Yeah, and I just, you know, right. you know, yeah, come on, you it, know. Very much a mortality question and a look at your future. And if, if you knew you had a bad spleen. Right. You could go get well, a spleen for, ticket. And for all we know, John, <laughs> that's next around the corner. I mean, you know, yeah, you took, I mean, uh, and I think for that, I mean, I, I admire you so much for that. John, like, no, stop. No, seriously, I, listen, it's no, a brave. I'm not, I'm not an inspiration. Guys, <laughs> I'm just a. Can we play my, some piano music behind I, this? I put my pants on one leg at a time, <laughs> just like They're you. just smaller pants now. <laughs> They're stretchy pants. That's right. Uh, skinny jeans. No, I no, I absolutely uh, look up to you on that, and I appreciate your honesty on the, so I, I do believe, and let's say this on the podcast. This is what we're doing right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, the vulnerability thing and the sharing, you know, there are still boundaries to, there, there's concentric circles of sharing. Oh, I get that. And you there's know, certain things yeah. I haven't shared that I won't share, and they're just private, private yeah. things. But this is one of those things where I just thought, I'm, why am I holding on to it? Right. Is it an ego thing? Is it a, because honestly, if it could help somebody, you know, then I want to be able to be a source, a resource for somebody. Yeah. Because there are a lot of questions and it is hard. It's a really like difficult thing. So, yeah, I mean, I, I so I, I'm, 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 I know that I'm opening myself up to that and I'm opening myself up to possible like criticism or people thinking things. And I'm okay with that if it gives me the other thing of like somebody who's maybe on that path yeah. and they need encouragement or they need, I'm okay with that. Well, if you don't ever do anything that brings, criticism you probably did nothing significant like and that's just the truth i don't mean to be cliche but yeah. i think for me even 
I had a conversation with, with some of my guys, the guys in my small group last night about, they were talking about other podcasts. They were talking about, we're talking about church and the role of, not, we we're talking about this whole, what people quote unquote call political things that we are dealing with now. Yeah. And I talked about our journey of, there was a moment in time where I feel complicit and responsible that people in my church have gone where they have gone mm-hmm. because I did not say something earlier to go, Hey, the pattern of thought, the pattern of nationalistic thinking, the pattern of mixing politics, faith, religion all together, yeah. the pattern of, again, it, it's not, and everyone wants a direct causal relationship and they rarely exist, but right. it's, but it's all ingredients in something. Yeah. Bigger. And if you're silent, on things you're you're creating a mold by your silence too not just by what you say you're creating a mold by like not speaking out on we're seeing it now with this this uh this guy who shot up the massage parlors yeah and and it's brutal and some of your you're finding some of the underpinnings of his belief system were from a very like misogynistic uh christian upbringing uh fundamentalist where Women are objects of temptation. Right. And so basically he felt like I'm eliminating my temptation by taking these women out. These faceless uh, objects of desire and instead of image bearers of Christ. Yeah. And that mindset comes from a, a style of teaching. You know, it, it, the underpinnings of that are the... Measuring the girl's skirts and the the shaming of, you know what I'm saying? Like, women, clean it up so you're not a stumbling block to the boys. Yeah. That, that seems very innocent. And there's even some biblical, like, scriptures you can twist around to make, uh, underpin that and make it okay. And yet we're seeing some of the fruit of that when we see somebody go, oh, well, this was my sexual addiction and... I had a bad day. I mean, the police statement about the guy had a bad day and this is what he did. You're just like, are you kidding me? Like this is, so it's so outrageous. But like you say, if you remain silent on things or you let some, uh, some uh, heretical teaching or some misinterpretation or wrong interpretation of scripture uh, go that way, that's what happens. There's fruit to that. Just like there's good fruit, there's bad fruit that comes from you know, silence or wrong teaching. Yeah, you don't have to get up on the stage and tell someone to go shoot up a parlor in order to, and it doesn't mean that that person, I think you're right. It's it's all more complex than we give it credit for. And yes, when we don't say things, we don't have as much criticism. Yeah. But we also are not really affecting positively. Like Jesus was criticized a lot. Yeah. As was Paul, as was like, if you want to say something, you're going to have to engage. Right. That's why we begin to engage more. And on that particular matter, you know, there's already, of course, it, I'm trying to do a better job of listening and, and not being dismissive of what seemingly is another side of the way I think. I've been corrected on that, that everything seems, it does get very, I, I don't consider myself that way, but I think I may come off that way sometimes. And of course, you and I share an opinion usually that is pretty close on things. So you're not getting that divergent viewpoint, except that you and I came from those other viewpoints a lot of the time yeah. and from those traditions. So we try to, I think in our minds, we're giving both sides. Right. Like, well, of course we understand what was being said from the stage. We were on those stages with a guitar in our hand right behind them. Or we, mm-hmm. you know, like, like we, we did that for years. Um, that's why we're probably extra sensitive to it. It's not that we're against it from the other side. We're, we're like a part of it for so long. It, it, we understand it on a deep level, but there's a whole conversation now about oh, people are are using the race card now with this tragic death of these. Right, they're going to further women. their agenda because the women happen to be. It's like no, that's but you understand. Yeah, I mean, Asian women are some of the most sexually trafficked people in the world, and they're objectified. Mm-hmm. This like again. It, it, 
Well, it was 100% his lawyer's advice, probably, to pull the sexual addiction card. So, Because it, it immediately makes him, it softens the, here's a great uh, it's tweet not all from. About, it's not all about race, but race was absolutely a component. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You, you have, that's like saying, like, well, slavery wasn't all about race. Well, it just happened to be that there was only black people we put into slavery. Like, at some Yeah, point. when we act like race isn't a factor, we can't even acknowledge race. Or yeah, right. this is the, That's not a step forward. That's a step backwards. It has to be a component at least acknowledged. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the other thing, too. I think there's a. There's a thing in I see in white my white friends uh, that it's almost like we get to decide whether we're racist or not, not by our actions. Like other people get to decide if what you did was racist. You don't get to decide. If, if what you said was racist objectively or what you did was racist objectively, that's what other people decide. You don't get to go, but I don't have a racist bone in my body. Oh, okay. Like, your words and actions. So it's funny. We were having a conversation, my wife and I, on this exact... It wasn't about race. It was about something else. It was actually about some religious things yeah. I don't want to get into. And we were talking about, and I was thinking through the words of it, it's almost like a divine right is in the thought process. It's like manifest destiny, divine right. And what I told her is this. We know some guys who lie. Yeah. Okay? But they don't think of themselves as liars, and they're also in spiritual authority. And so they begin to believe that if I said it, it must be true. Yeah. It's a divine right. Like, oh, well, I said that and I'm not a liar because I'm anointed or I'm whatever your thing is. I'm in authority. Mm -hmm. So since I said it and I didn't intend for it to not be to not be true, therefore, it must be true. Or like, I know I'm a good person. This was a bad thing that happened. I was responsible for it. So this can't be a bad thing that I did. Right. Because I'm a good person. Right. You're seeing it wrongly then because and you begin then to kind of change the definition of right and wrong based upon it's really what you believe yourself to be. Uh, I'm so tired of reading half apologies when somebody does get called on something to like this. I'm sorry if you were. I'm sorry if this was misconstrued. Yeah. Uh, It's just I mean, come on, man. Here's a tweet about it that I read from Duke Kwan, who's uh, uh, kind of been uh, a cool voice uh, during this uh last year or so about things of race. It says the premature public naming of sexual addiction as primary motive effectively cast the killer in a sympathetic light as a powerless victim and immediately hypersexualized seven faceless women whose identities were already bound to be framed by exotified dehumanizing tropes. Wow. So it's what you say. They're already, Ooh, it was an Asian massage parlor. Okay. And you've immediately dehumanized yeah. them and almost exalted this person to like, well, he was just a, at the behest of his weird whims and desires because he's a sex addict. Like, come on, man. Let's take responsibility yeah. for our actions. Yeah, I want the sex addict to be free from that, but I don't want to do it at the expense of the, like you said, the image bearer status. of We, we, can, we can inadvertently reinforce the stereotypes and certainly the sexual ones by not just calling things like that, right. easily saying, hey, guys, you know, it doesn't. It well, and, and holding women responsible for your sexual listen, deviance is a sickness all its own. That's a sin all its own. When I talk to men about this matter, and I've done this with guys at our church, I've done this at a, at a few other things, college things, marriage things. If I ever get a chance to talk to men, and they usually want me to talk about purity or whatever, I will say, guys, y'all have to break free. We have to break free because <laughs> it's myself. That's why I know this. You're not an animal. Yeah. Like, you're not out of control. If you are, that's not God's plan for you. But like this idea that, well, you know guys, and you talk to teenage guys. Well, you're right. teenage guys. It's like, yeah, w- what? Finish that sentence. Like, just having that thought process as if right. you're not in control is allowing you it's it's well that's creating, the underpinnings of rape culture it's creating it's, yeah. provision yeah. for you to do all kinds of things and think to yourself i can't the, the fruit of the holy spirit in your life is self-control right and it is a battle for us to live in that fruitful place but it's one you have to fight but if you believe that that's not possible then you're already lost half the Where fight you're preparing yourself to blame the other person yeah. It's always the wrong thing. Well, and again, as the father of a 12-year-old girl, I got to tell you something, is a daily thought process for me. And even she, she's so funny. They'll they'll joke, you know, um, that she'll she'll say, you know, that like they're not allowed to wear tank tops to school. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Daddy, are the boys just not able to handle seeing shoulders? 
Like right. she's asking that question, like you know, she'll laugh because her friends yeah, yeah. are all laughing. Oh, I guess the guys can't handle shoulders, and it's like, well, there may be more to it than that. But but she has a point. Like, hey, you know, and I suppose as long as that rule applies to both genders, and I don't yeah. think the school's trying to discriminate. But even you're picking up on this, yeah. Like so, well, it's like uh, Curry calls uh, when you see collarbones. When the collarbones come out at church, that's Christian cleavage. Because, you know, church women can't show real cleavage, so but they show their collarbones like, oh, well, collarbones are out. It's like, it's so like funny, but in like such a, it's almost like a, ba- it's so backwards, but it's, it's, it is what it is, man. Yeah. I mean, the, again, the way I see this and, and, and you go into the whole, the roles in marriage or the roles of men and women. And I think a lot of the culture gets that out of whack. I, I think that it's super simple for me. And I, and I try to, I always want my lane to be the gospel. And if I'm at, if I'm in that lane and I'm wrong, correct me in the gospel. Like I, I'll take yeah. that correction easier and, and I'll be able to hear it. I think where the gospel goes for all this is, is if, if men want to lead in areas of their roles, that leadership looks like Christ's leadership to us. Like it's so explicit. It looks like Christ's leadership towards me. And I even read the verse this morning, um, that Jesus said, look, if I, as your leader and your teacher, as one version of Seth, I think ESV, if I, as your leader and your teacher are washing your feet, yeah, then surely this ought to be the way you treat one another. Meaning the, the greatest leaders, and it's so cliche, we can't hardly say it. We cannot endure it. But I don't follow people that don't serve. I can't do that anymore. Yeah. Like if it, it, I will want to serve people who serve well. That's the whole model, how it's set up. But someone who can't admit wrong, can't ever listen to another opinion, can't, I mean, God himself, when he, and this is a fascinating story in Leviticus, you know, God himself justly said, listen, this is not working with the Israelites. I will fulfill my promise to them, though. These, these people are going to cause more trouble to one another. They're hurting themselves. I'm going to do away with them, and I'm going to fulfill my promise through you, Moses. And Moses says, you know what, God? I would prefer that you don't do that. Let's show how, let's show that grace that you've been, you know, God was just in that. He fulfilled his promise. And, you know, I get that's a hard passage, but God says, okay, like he was humble towards Moses. And yeah. that's a weird way to say, but Jesus said that I am humble. I am meek in heart. I mean, I'm listening to you, even though in my opinion, Moses caused himself a whole lot more trouble. And a lot, I mean, you know, it may have been yeah. merciful for God to do that to the Israelites and go ahead and take them into heaven. You know, right. like there were his promised people instead of living and suffering and dying in the desert for 40 years. But again, that's, I don't know where that goes, but that point of like, Hey, listen, men, if, if you, if we're going to pull that card that we're going to lead, yeah. then whether it's on sexual things or other things like this has to be, there has to be an attitude of humility or that card does not work. It is invalidated scripturally whenever we do not apply the principles of Christ to it, who was humble in all things to the point of death and lay down his life for his friends, lay down his life for his bride, lay down his life. I mean, and, and it's a, it sounds like a sermon, but it has to be like the attitude. And this goes back to, again, our frustrations when we see the convergence of, political conservatism in the modern age with Christianity, because the deal is Christianity is has to have this tone or take the word Christian out of it. And so when we say, no, we're, we're just going to win. We're never going to admit wrong. We're always going to attack. We're going to be opposition based right. in our thinking. Then we go, Hey, those things are, those things you might find a way to apply them to uh, moral issues, but they're fundamentally unchristian in the way that we're expressing it. And we all have to, and I confessed to my group last night and repented. It's easy when you're trying to defend the right things to defend them in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And you got to back up to that at some point and say, Hey, you know, I return every day to Jesus as first <laughs> and me following in his servant pattern leadership. So sorry, Johnny, there you go, man. We solved a lot today. <sighs> we, it's, I don't even know. You don't even know how people are going to contain it all. They're going to be like, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, they didn't, they fast forwarded. Purity culture's over now. So it, we, just we have derailed it. Listen, and I thought about, you know, I want to say this. I thought about the purity thing. You know, it's funny. We have one up here, the little bride and groom box that we used to give to kids and everything. I think it's okay to tell kids and tell people who are unmarried to try to give them practical ideas yeah. of ways to pursue. I think purity is a godly thing. But it's like you talk you talked about there's a shame that you might feel about your own sin where you say 
I am I've fallen away. These desires are going to destroy me. I need to I need help here. Yeah. And there's a different thing when you blame shift and say she's responsible for this. Right. If she uh, hadn't dressed the way she did, if she hadn't blah blah blah, that's a different thing. And that's kind of and and it felt like the purity culture that we grew up in always seemed to put a lot of the onus on the girls. Yeah. And very uh, way less on the guys. Yeah. I remember hearing a lot of statements like that. Come on, girls, help your Christian brothers out. Right. Uh, you know, you're not doing us any favors when you walk out with those short shorts. I mean, I, how many sermons do we hear like that? Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it seems well-meaning, but it, it over, over time, it creates this culture that girls are these sneaky, deceptive or that they're only for one thing. Right. Right. They're about one thing. Yeah. And it's for a man's pleasure. Right. It's visually or physically. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's like you've created a little template for uh, the wiring of a Christian teenager's brain, yep. a boy, that, yeah, when he gets to be older, it's like she's responsible. It's like, you know, it's like Adam blaming Eve. It all goes, you know what I'm saying? It's like that whole thing of like, Look, we got to do better. We do. Listen, I walked into a restaurant today with my wife briefly. We grabbed something for breakfast briefly to take it back home because we both had a break. And I'm not I'm not lying. The restaurant guy, I'm not going to say where it was or who it was. He looked at my wife's body up and down and up and down and up and down and I became infuriated. <laughs> You say, you tell me who this guy is. We're going to go give him a little, what I call the Fulkerson. And so he, he finally put his eyes to my eyes and yeah. he saw my face. And then he looked up and down your body. No. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Hold on. This guy. And I moved because we were standing there ordering at like a counter. And I moved myself between him and her. Yeah. And, and I was like, I told him when we got in the car, I was like, I'm furious. She's like, I didn't see that. You know, I was like, I see it all the time. Are you 100% sure that this wasn't like a Terminator situation where he's just like assessing her computer <laughs> like weaknesses and stuff? <laughs> What's the approach name? carefully not john connor <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no i just and again having a daughter i like i see and i realized there were plenty of times in my life that i was a guy yeah because i was trained it's okay to look at girls it's, how many johnny how many times we hear this as a kid in christian culture now look it's okay uh even if you've ordered, you can still look at the menu. Whoa. You ever heard that one? Uh, I've, I don't know if I heard it from a preacher, but have you heard that from a preacher? Not from stage, but yes. Uh, wow. <laughs> like, well, it's okay if we look at women. Like, I've heard men in church culture, I'm talking deacons, elders, those kinds of guys, like like commenting on how pretty the waitress is in front of their wife. Oh, right. Yeah. And you're going, well, it's okay. You know I'm married to you, baby. I'm just looking at the menu. And you're just like, dude. Stop looking at the dang menu. Yeah. Like, that's not, like, I'm sorry. And I told my wife early, I was like, nah. was, number one, she's not going to tolerate that. And I appreciate that. But, there aren't, and that's, there are no menus anymore. It's all QR code. Right. So that's So helped. what I do now is I just scan the woman <laughs> <laughs> with my QR code. I'm looking for a QR code. <laughs> Excuse me, ma'am. Um, <laughs> no, I just, to me, there's just such a, and I, I don't mean this from a place, I'm trying, I'm trying to be as vulnerable as possible that. I don't mean that from a place of superiority. I have been guilty of all those things, especially as a younger man. It's it, You begin to realize, to your point, I wish instead of just someone telling me not to have sex or not to lust, mm-hmm. someone would have said, hey, listen, these, or just saying, these are sisters in Christ. That would have been a beginning of good help. But like, a, hey, you know, this person is not just about sex. Like, they're, that's that's the male culture, even in church. You know, this person... So, you, we used to, boy, someday you're going to have a hot wife if you trust right. God. You know, it's like, well, that's awesome. Be attracted. But she is, she is not just wrapped up in what she appears to be right. or, or how. Or something she, to be conquered or right. whatever. Yeah. Like she's an equal in Christ. You know, like she's an equal in Christ. And if you love, so regardless of those things, so and I, I get it, but there is also a time to be attracted. There's a dating season, and I understand that the rules, the hormones, and all when those things. Dating, when is dating season, John? It's, when does uh, it come back around? Dating season's coming, yeah. It's right after, right after. Right after COVID. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be. Flowers <laughs> oh, are blooming. Goodness. Colors bursting. I just mean, like, I don't know where those lines are. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like we talked about the other day. Like, am I insulting a woman and want to open the door for her? I'm not trying to say you can't open your own door. Yeah. I'm trying to serve. Yeah, we're getting, it's a little bit of an overcorrection when we're taking chivalry 
yeah, we talked about a little bit about that, but this yeah. idea that like I know my intentions behind it are not demeaning, they're uplifting. So I think it goes to that in your own personal relationship. But if she interprets it, like to your point right. earlier, if she says, I don't like that, then I'll stop opening the door for you. Yeah. That's fine. You get to pick, you know, kind of thing. If you will take this as I mean it, awesome. If, if you're not taking it as I mean it, then I need to adjust and not just be like, well, that's stupid. Well, I don't know where she's coming from, you know, so my yeah. wife likes it when I open the door for her, so it's fine. Yeah. So. And I think like Curry does not like to make decisions about like where we eat even. She wants, and I always say it's blame shifting. She wants me to choose the restaurant. That way, if it's a bad experience, she can be like, why did well, you? I would have picked. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she denies that, but I'm convinced that's what it is. But some women like kind of like a, I don't want to say take charge because I don't want you to take it in the wrong way. But you know what I mean? Like a take charge guy. Like I, I'll say, like, we're trying to plan a trip. Where do you want to go? Well, she'll have input, but she also is like, I trust you. Where do you, where do you, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there's a trust. But that's not a male, female thing. No, it's not. I'm, I'm just saying the same thing like, with my wife. You pick. Yeah. I don't want to know. Yeah, we're partners. I, I, I would rather, you, it would help me if you I make a decision. I want her to be more, like even in our finances, like I always tell her, like I want you to be more involved in this stuff. I feel like I'm like telling you after the fact, like here's where we are and I don't want to like blindside you with this. Right. But she's just like, I don't want to think about I don't want to sit around and think about all that crap. Well, yeah. And if you trust and you've proven yourself trustworthy, then yeah. that can be. Well, I don't know that I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> Curry, you need to check up on Johnny. It's like, why are you buying all like, this crap? He's right now making it rain in the office. Oh, I don't gosh. know why. Why did you bring so many singles? Uh, I brought some breakfast burritos. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of singles, you can go to our website. Okay. <laughs> to our Patreon page. Yeah. And we do have some really low sponsorship levels where you can give a dollar a month. Why are you sending them the lowest? <laughs> I'm just, I don't know. I was Why don't you have some self-respect? Segue. We would love to have that hundred dollar a month sponsor. Stretch your hands for. towards the podcast. We're looking for that thousand dollar champion. We know that you're <laughs> out there. Uh, no, seriously, you should check us out though at talkaboutthatpodcast.com. Yeah, and uh, you can see all the archived episodes, which there's over 100 and something. It's almost 200 now. It's 155. Oh, is it? Or we're, getting, we're getting up there. Yeah. It's too many. It's, uh, wow. It's a lot. Actually, I'm good. We had some really good feedback this week from, from several people. So, um, well, good. it was all in person. But I had a person who knows me who they went on vacation and they were behind and they listened to the podcast all the way to Florida, all the way back. Yeah. And they loved it. And they're going to listen to this. And I appreciate that, uh, Adam and Nicole. Thank you so much for doing that. And they said, well, we haven't left a review because we, we really love it. Like, it's like, it's not because we know you. We actually really love it. We feel like if we say something in the review, it's almost like disingenuous because we know you. So what I would say to you, Adam and Nicole, is just don't leave your name and don't say you yeah, know me. Yeah, make up a... Yeah. yeah. Just be like, you have to say you know me. Just leave it. Leave a great review. And same thing, we have another friend who texted us who started listening to the podcast and, and, and he loved it. It was like, hey, great. You don't have to say who you are, that you know us, that you text. Just leave that review. So now you've given us that. So how many other people out You're there, You're encouraging Johnny? people to make false accounts. What I want you to do is, is I want you to make us better than we are when you leave the review. Okay. And I want you to change your name. But other than that, I want you to be completely honest. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave five stars and move on. Come on. No, but you should check out Johnny's comedy, though, especially his dry bar special. Oh, yeah, and I've got some clips on Facebook that I've been sharing. They're finally coming out, and so those help. If you comment and like those and share them, that helps more people see them. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like how the algorithm works on Facebook. So if those clips ever end up in your, uh, which you can find my page, Johnny W., on uh, Facebook. Just search for me and follow me there, and then those clips will end up in your feed if you do that. And then if you share those... That helps more people see. That's kind of how it works. If you don't, if they just kind of come and go and you're like, oh, that was cool. And then you just watch it. That's a whole other thing than if you engage with it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you guys be watching. I had a couple books coming out here in the spring. I forget exactly when, but two is on. One with our friend Mike Burnett. Yes. uh, That I wrote with him called Parable Church. Uh, His name is the big one. Mine's the width. We're talking to Mike this morning. It's a great church or great church. It's a great book about church, a very simple application of some things, and we're hearing some great things from people who are reading it. So maybe you go on Amazon, pre-order Parable Church, and then my other friends, Dave and Ann Wilson, we wrote a book with uh, Zondervan a couple years back called Vertical Marriage. They were like on uh, Good Morning America, or was it Today Show? They were on Today Show with that book, and it, it did really well. We have a sequel about parenting. If so if you're looking for parenting, it's called No Perfect Parents. You should go check that out by Dave and Ann Wilson with John Driver on Amazon, <laughs> and uh, that'd be great. A couple of things coming out, and we'll keep you posted on all those. Yeah, yeah. Go, go and get it. Do yeah. it. We're just shilling for things at the end now. That's okay. Yeah. What else? Come on. Yeah. We got good stuff. Hey, guys, I got a birthday coming if you don't, up. Send some money. It's if like, you don't like the stuff, then you can tell us that, too. Don't do that. 
Yeah, don't tell we us. We don't have the we our fragile egos. We're can't very fragile. It. All this vulnerability stuff. It's you realize that we're the only two talking here. If you knew how many boxes of DVDs I have in my garage, because <laughs> you know DVDs are kind of like they're gone, and they died. COVID like helped finish them off. It saved the QR code. It killed the DVD for good, probably. So now I have like, but then I have these comedian friends, and the, and if I ever say that to them, yeah, I ordered a bunch of DVDs, but I was afraid to order too many. I don't want to get stuck with them. They go. Oh, really? Because they have VHS in their garage. No. Oh, yeah. I have comedian friends. If you've been doing comedy for 20 years like some of these guys, wow. they have boxes of VHS cassettes. Those listen, aren't going anywhere. Listen, I had 2,000 copies of Letters to the Other John, and we That's threw true. them in a dumpster. That's your VHS. That was. It was like they were, they were burned. I wouldn't say the stuff I said anymore. It was a good book, but it was for a time, and... I was like still – it was like before Facebook. Some of my self-advice was like take pictures of kids you know, and, and put their names oh, right. beside it up on a billboard. Not a billboard, sorry. Uh, put in your palm <laughs> – get a palm a pilot. Yeah. yeah, get a palm pilot. Try a pencil sharpener. You know, It was like it was That's, so dated. So I was like, well, we're a, not using that nobody anymore. Nobody needs a pencil sharpener. No, those are my VHSs. Hey, guys, thank you for listening today, though. It really does mean a lot. Keep sending us your questions, your comments, anything else that you would like to hear us talk about. And we will uh, do our best to do so. All right, guys. We'll see you next week on Talk About That. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.